Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up. This is Bavarian Football Works weekly show where we go over the big events every single week. And as I state every week when I start this show, there was a lot going on. And this week especially, there was a lot going on off the pitch for the boys from Bayern Munich and also with Germany. So why don't we just get right to that? We'll, we'll, we'll pick things up at, at where Bayern Munich left off. And that was with an impressive 2-1 victory of SC Freiburg. And this Freiburg team is obviously very scrappy. They're very good. Uh, Christian Streich has them just playing really, really well. And I couldn't be more impressed uh, with the job he does every single season but what he's getting out of that team this season it's just remarkable and they really did push Bayern now listen Bayern is a lot more talented they're a lot faster they're just a lot better but the bottom line is it it just goes to show you that in the Bundesliga there is not just great coaching not just great talent but the team's really do come together like this is a good Freiburg team and and, you know, when we were discussing this on the uh, BFW Slack channel, it really is a case where SC Freiburg is, uh, they're just a, a team that is really defined by the sum of all its parts. There are no superstars on the team, but they do have some very, very good players and they just mesh and gel really well and are just executing the game plans that Christian Strike rolls out. So, Big credit to them, but Bayern did finish with a win. But one of the things that did come out in the wake of that game was something that that we have discussed here and in other places, uh, either on the site or on the podcast, where we've talked about how, at times, Bayern Munich has been prone to just crowding the box so much that it, it creates issues for their own players. And part of that goes back to this hybrid formation that Julian Nagelsmann was run that has been running. And, uh, you know, one of the comments we saw this week was from Dio Upamakano, who finally admitted that this is really a back three. Now, as much as, uh, you know, we're calling it a hybrid back three, and as much as the club, you know, puts out its weekly lineup graphics as a back four, uh, I think most of us can see right now that this is really a back three with Alfonso Davies uh, really playing a role, a hybrid role as a wing back, left back, where he's mostly pushing further up the pitch, uh, occupying that space on the left flank on offense and pushing Leroy Sané to the inside. And this has worked well for the most part. It has created issues for Bayern Munich's opponents. Uh, Davies has done exceptionally well creating offense from that spot. Sané seems to have a whole new life under him and not only has done well when he's played wide, but he's really navigating the central area of the field well too. So I would say that, you know, so far into the sixth season, it's been successful. Have there been iffy moments? Have there been times where things look too congested? Absolutely. And I think that we'll see more of that. But what I will say is that Nagelsmann has his players understanding their roles, knowing their responsibilities of where they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to do, where to make their runs, 
and they are doing really well with it. But later in the week, we saw Robert Lewandowski for the first time really come out and talk about this and say that things are really hard on him, that he's having trouble finding good opportunities. And I think he's right. I think that the the space around him is really crowded. Uh, I think it's affected him, uh, Lewandowski and Muller, Thomas Muller, a lot. Thomas Muller used to have a lot more room to roam free. And for a player like him, that space is just so key. But now I think you've got Leroy Sané occupying some of that space. You've got Alfonso Davies, even from the outside flank, pushing in a lot. You've got Leon Goretzka always getting up into the play. Sometimes you have Joshua Kimmich pushing far up into the play. Sometimes you have both of them on the same play. Uh, And then you also, on the other side, uh, I guess this is also a sort of a hybrid position. It's typically Serge Gnabry out on that right wing. But uh, while he is not maybe, uh, I guess, maintaining the same defensive responsibilities as Davies when he tracks back, and that's not a, a slap or anything on Gnabry tracking back, he actually gets back and does a pretty good job defending. I just don't think in this system he's asked to do as much as Davies is. But regardless, on offense, we still do see Gnabry making those diagonal runs into the box and also uh, pushing himself in there. So at times it is just completely congested. And when Bayern Munich plays against these teams who sit back, it has been really difficult for players like Lewandowski and Muller to operate in that space. There are just too many people there. So one thing that I think all Bayern fans really need to look at as the weeks go on here is what kind of adjustments are made? Uh, Will Nagelsmann change things up a bit? Will he give Davies a little less offensive responsibility and maybe not have him push up as high as he has been over the first few weeks of this season. Uh, I'm very interested to see how this plays out because as we know with Lewandowski, when he says something, there is absolutely a purpose or a mission behind it. If he's not happy about the space and not getting good opportunities, then there's something to that. He didn't just say it to say it. He's not going to just come out and complain for no reason. There is Uh, something going on with him in terms of not getting those chances that he wants. And I think that he hit the nail on the head when he was talking about the space. There's just not a lot of room to operate. He's, you know, he absolutely 100% said it's because we have so many people in the box and often our opponents sit back. So that's something we can all take a look at and keep an eye on because I think that teams will adjust to Bayern Munich and make it so that it is even more congested than what we've seen. And if that happens and they stop getting those good opportunities, we'll we'll again get a chance to see how Nagelsmann will adjust to that and come up with another scheme to make things work. But I will say Bayern Munich has done really, really well with it for the most part. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that at times, I'm sure it's frustrating to Lewandowski. I'm sure it's frustrating to Muller. But I think we've seen that the versatility of players like Sané and Davies to be able to to understand and and execute what's being asked of them and to do it really well, uh, you know, I think it's a credit to them. So this is a developing and ongoing situation. 
And uh, sure, yeah, there, there definitely could be uh, some issues down the road. But as of now, I, I'm, I'm not going to pu push that panic button just yet. I think that the, the team still has a little way to go in, in figuring this all out. But to me, um, you know, I, I do think at some point, Nagelsmann, once he gets himself firmly established at Bayern Munich, once he wins a couple of trophies, I think he is really going to just commit to saying he's actually running a back three and we'll stop this charade with the four, two, three, one lineup graphics. Now, listen, Nagelsmann has done a, a good job at disguising this. Uh, it does leave the team a little susceptible defensively at times with this hybrid formation because it is extremely difficult for Davies to get back at times when he's pushed up so high. So, uh, you know, there are things that could potentially go wrong, both offensively and defensively with this setup. But as of now, it's been successful. So we will follow this and keep it going. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it develops in the coming weeks. Uh, one of the other huge stories of the week, obviously, was with Nicholas Sula's positive COVID-19 test uh, at the German national team camp. And the fallout from that was pretty incredible because uh, the close contacts were Joshua Kimmich, Serge Gnabry, Jamal Musiala, and Kareem Adeyemi. And we also saw a close contact that didn't even play for Germany. And Erika Maxim Chupo-Moting had to leave his national team camp with Cameroon uh, because he was with Sula uh, before each player left for their respective national team. So, um, you know, to, for Germany and Hansi Flick to lose those five players, especially, uh, it was it was really crazy. Um, you know, it, it, it had to be a huge blow. And, and obviously Flick scrambled, got more players in, came up with a plan. But, you know, this is not how he wanted to have this team camp. This team camp for him was about building cohesion, getting his players to understand him a little bit better. It was for his coaching staff to, to get a chance to understand his players a little bit better as well. Uh, and, and it didn't get any better. Even with the COVID-19 stuff, um, Florian Wirtz picked up an injury. Uh, Nico Schlatterbeck picked up an injury. Julian Draxler picked up an injury. I mean, this is, I mean, unprecedented with the amount of issues that Hansi Flick had to endure over the course of this week. And it's still going on. So hopefully, you know, knock on wood, nothing else happens. But, uh, you know, to counterbalance that, uh, Flick called in Jonathan Toff from Bayer Leverkusen, uh, Lucas Nemecha from Wolfsburg, Maxi Arnold from Wolfsburg. Uh, Rydal Baku from Wolfsburg and Kevin Vaughn from Monaco. Now, the Metro was obviously part of the initial call up, um, and Flick was going to give him a chance, but it, it was really fortuitous to, to bring him in. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, Flick wasn't going to have that expanded roster that he would have actually called Nemecha up, but uh, by virtue of calling in 27 players, Flick had him in, in house already. And then he opted to call in those other four, Ta, Arnold, Baku, and Voland, um, to get them in-house and, and up to speed and to be there, to be bodies. And, 
Yeah, that's what he needed after losing so many players. And, and you know, after this first game against Liechtenstein, where Germany won 9-0, it's pretty obvious that these German players are not just playing well under Hansi Flick, but they are really, uh, they are, they're responding to what he's saying, what he's coaching, what he's teaching. And I think that one of the, the key things that Flick has brought to the table is just a new energy, a new sense of life with Germany that wasn't there under Yogi Love. It feels like everybody is starting over. And I think what Flick is doing is getting the best out of some of these players. Now, Timo Werner is another player who was injured and, and couldn't make this uh, international break. Same for Lucas Klosterman. But for Werner, he had made some great strides under Flick. And I think this is exactly what you're going to get from Flick. He has a way of connecting with players and getting the best out of them. Uh, you could go back to his Bayern days and see what he did with Thomas Muller, with Leon Goretzka, with Alfonso Davies, with Jerome Boateng. I mean, these are players that he that, that struggled under other managers that weren't giving a chance. Some of them were being written off. I mean, Goretzka, people were getting ready to run him out of Bayern. Thomas Muller was benched by Carlo Ancelotti and Nico Kovac. I mean, these were players who obviously have a great amount of talent, but for one reason or another, were not clicking or connecting with their coaches. And uh, Flick just has a knack for that. And that is one of the things with coaching that I think that you can't quantify, you can't put a finger on it, you can't, there's no statistics or analytics that can back it up or find it or identify if a coach has this trait. But if you find a coach who has the ability, to connect with players like that and to build those kind of relationships that Flick is able to do. You cannot lose that coach. You absolutely have to do everything to retain that coach. And that's why it was so painful when he left Bayern Munich because Flick is one of the rare coaches across all sports that is able to do that. Now you can be a complete jerk and be a great coach, right? Like you don't have to look much further than the NFL and look at Bill Belichick and what he does with the Patriots. I mean, I don't know that there's anybody that necessarily likes him, but he's a winner, right? With Flick, it's completely opposite. He seems to be able to draw the best out of the players by not just helping them with their tactics on the pitch and their ability on the pitch, but by connecting with them and building those relationships and, and, drawing out the best of them. And when you have a coach that can draw the best out of players like Flick does, like I said, you, you cannot let that guy go. So um, Germany has a gem in Hansi Flick. And I do think he's going to continue to get the best out of players like Timo Werner, the best out of Kai Havertz, the best out of Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry, and Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. I mean, if you saw the game against Liechtenstein, Leon Goretzka was terrific. Um, and another player who, who Flick seems to maybe be helping a bit here is Marco Royce. Royce has always been, in my mind, one of the top talents, not just in the Bundesliga, but across Europe and, and also in the world. I mean, this guy has a flair to his game, can do just about everything on the pitch. Uh, I personally think like he is uh, just so supremely talented uh, if not for injuries, I think the world would view him a lot differently 
And uh, there would be a lot more respect for him. Now, I know there's a lot of other things with Royce that, you know, people don't like or don't respect or whatever. But if you just look at ability, the guy is just world class. So um, right now, under Hansi Flick, if, if Royce gets continues to get opportunities, I think we're going to see vintage Marco Royce as well. So I have a lot of faith in Flick. I have a lot of faith that he's going to make Germany a prime contender for the 2022 World Cup. And as ludicrous as that sounds, I, I just believe that he has that kind of impact on players and really is able to build teams with his unique ability to connect with his team and with his players. So, uh, you know, this, these games over the course of this week, they're meaningless. Germany's always, they've already qualified for the world cup, but you know, this is just more opportunity for flick to build the relationships and connect with his team. And I'd say, that's been successful so far. So Hansi Flick has absolutely been everything that any German fan could want of a manager so far. I'm sure they're the hater, the haters are out there somewhere and I'm sure they could, you know, nitpick some of the stuff that he's done, but I mean, let's face it, the guy's undefeated right now and uh, he just continues to make this team look stronger and stronger. And, you know, speaking of Werner, we saw two kind of crazy transfer rumors that uh, came up here at the end of the week. And we'll close out the, the weekend warm up by talking about these two. Uh, first, uh, since we, we just touched on Werner, uh, FC Barcelona is reportedly looking into three strikers to join them next summer. Uh, Chelsea's Timo Werner. Uh, Manchester United's Edison Cavani and Manchester City's Raheem Sterling. Now, we have seen Sterling connected to Barca several times before. This is the first time I've seen Cavani linked to Barca recently. And the Werner thing seemingly came out of nowhere. And it appears that Xavi, who is the new manager at Barca, is really driving uh, the pursuit of these players. So these are players that he would, I guess, quote unquote, approve of, which is very interesting for Werner because Chelsea is a dead end, um, not just for Werner, but for several players there. And it's, it, they just have a glut of people at the attacking positions. And it's just, there's not enough field time to go around for all of that talent. I think Werner, if he could do it all over again, he would never admit it, but he, I don't think he would ever sign with Chelsea. Now, I'm sure the money's great, but everything that's happened to him since then has, has been terrible, really. Like, I don't think his form has been as bad as, as people like to exaggerate, but let's face it, the guy's become the butt of every social media joke when it comes to world football, right? Like, People don't know that Timo Werner is a good player. They know he's a, he's a bottler or he is someone who chokes or whatever that he can't finish. Like this is what the world thinks of him now. When he was playing for RB Leipzig, no one thought that of him. I mean, maybe some of the hardcore Bundesliga fans didn't like his game or his style, but no one thought he was a joke. And unfortunately, like that's exactly what has happened. And it's the danger that really like almost any foreign player takes when they go to England, you have the susceptibility there to become a meme, to become a joke. And 
Uh, unfortunately for Werner, he doesn't have the kind of personality that's going to overwhelm you. He's not one of these guys that's so uber confident that he doesn't care what people think or say. Uh, he just seems to be a, a normal guy. Like he is someone who, when when he's you know people say things about him or they insult him, it, it kind of does hurt his feelings a little bit. It seems and. You know, I think a lot of people would tell him he has to toughen up with it and that, you know, the money he gets should make him toughen up. But, um, you know, it, it's got to be hard for a player like him to go to England, uh, not be overly successful initially, and then to become the butt of every joke. So I think he needs to get out of Chelsea. I don't know that FC Barcelona is a great situation for anyone, let alone Timo Werner. Uh you know, I think the playing style, I think he would be fine there. I think that wouldn't be the issue, but with the financial constraints of that club and just the uncertainty surrounding it, I don't know that it would be the best spot for him. Personally, if, if you know, Sterling is actually going to leave Manchester City, I think Barca would be a natural fit for him. For Cavani, I think he's a little bit older than Barca wants but uh, he'll be available and likely he'll probably be cheap. So um, that'll be something to keep an eye on, a fun little story that we can watch from afar and see what happens because, uh, you know, as much as I want Timo Werner to move on from Chelsea, I don't know that that it would be uh, great to go to Barca. So, um, you know, the other kind of crazy rumor that we heard was, Kareem Adeyemi, uh, you know, obviously he's got suitors all over now, Barca being one of them. Um, but Chelsea now is jumping into the mix for him. And, and it just makes me ask this question, why? Why would Chelsea start to pursue another attacker who will cost them 35 to 40 million euro and just add another body to the glut that they already have. I, I don't get it at all. And listen, I know they're going to sell some players either this winter or the summer. They have to do something because they just have too many. But I don't feel like adding Adeyemi to that mix makes any sense for them. And I think it even makes less sense for him. I mean, this is a player whose agent has already come out talking about how if Adeyemi moves on from our, from Red Bull Salzburg, that he is going to need to go to a place where he can play. Like playing time is very important to him as it should be. I don't think it's important enough to people these days. So I'm actually really happy. And it was found it quite refreshing that Adeyemi wants to actually go somewhere where he can play. But I mean, just listen to this list of attackers that Chelsea has not that you need me to repeat it, but just for the emphasis of how crazy this is, uh, Christian Pulisic, Mason Mount, Hakeem Zayesh, Kai Havertz, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, uh, Timo Werner, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Romelu Lukaku, and that's just some of them, right? Like, I mean, it's it's insane. I don't even understand why anybody, especially if you were a young player, would want to go to Chelsea right now. There are just too many bodies there for people to contend with. And, and it's not a knock. It's not, not, it's not about wanting to compete or anything like that. It's just there's too many. Like, you know, you could find yourself playing three games in a row and then missing the next six weeks. 
that's just how it could be. So if I'm Kareem Adeyemi and I do care about my playing time, Chelsea is about the last place I would go. So um, I think that one will about wrap it up for us this week. Uh, You know, over these international breaks, it's always kind of crazy because every time we start to think it's going to be boring, something absolutely freaking nuts happens, like this Nicholas Sula situation. So, um, you know, Bayern Munich and the players on that squad, they keep us on our toes at BFW. (laughs) I mean, every day we know that we're walking into something that's going to be crazy. So, uh, you know, we always appreciate you guys listening and, and joining us for these shows. I especially like doing this one and hope to have a couple of guests on soon enough. There are some BFW staffers I'd like to have on. But it's really just a matter of syncing up and getting our schedules together. So I promise to get back on that train and uh, bring some of our BFW people back onto this show. Um, you know, as always, you can get me on Twitter at the Barrel Blog. You can get our site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get Tom at Tommy Adams seventy one. You can get I Need No Name at BFW Hey, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Germany-Armenia match on Sunday. And uh, have a couple of beers for me because my weekend will probably not be filled with beers. I'll be doing a lot of driving as my kids are uh, in the midst of a crazy soccer schedule for themselves. So I will be uh, driving all over Pennsylvania and New Jersey over the next couple of days. So uh, Have a couple for me and we will see you next week.